Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Today is episode number 99. I'm your host, Phil Huber. Joined today with one of the usuals, Logan Whitmer, editor-in-chief of Popular Woodworking Magazine, and special guest, creative director, Chris Fitch. Today's episode, we're going to be discussing Chris's latest project, CNC Base Camp. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects, you'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com. All right, Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. It's been a while since we've had you on. And one of the things, uh, I think one of the last times that we had you on, uh, we had talked about this as a future project, and it's finally, we finally lit that candle of your CNC base camp, uh, I don't know, program. It's it's a multimedia thing, so. It is, it is. Yeah, we finally, finally did light the fuse. There's no turning back. I can't stop until I retire at this point. So <laughs> we're moving forward. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. The uh, CNC Base Camp is a YouTube show then. It is about digital technology in woodworking, mostly CNC routers. Hopefully, we're going to add lasers and all the different accessories and all the great stuff that go with that in, uh, in the future. But right now, uh, what I'm seeing is such an explosion of interest and in products that are available for the home woodworker, for the uh, digital enthusiast. And so we really want to kind of uh, expand on that and encourage people. And so the show is about how to put that machine to work. And so each show then has a uh, typically a little technical aspect to it, description, uh, and then from there, we move into building a project. And I think the projects are going to be the fun part because we can all read our manuals and so on, and that's great. But until you have a chance to really put something to use, until you can really make something, it's not real. So we're going to make sure that people have lots of reasons to fire up that CNC router and have some fun with it. Now, um, I feel like, you know, there's, you know, one of the things we were talking about in approaching your show here is uh, there's like two different ways, at least, to approach CNCs. One is, for lack of a better way, the nerd maker. And then the other one is like the woodworker turned nerd. If we wanna, if we wanna put terrible labels on stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I think you were wanting to go like woodworking into the high tech, right? Yes. I know the CNC machines can be very intimidating to a lot of people simply because there's a lot of software you have to deal with. There's designing in software, there's converting that design into G-code, and then there's operating the machine itself, and it can be intimidating. But I think what I really want to focus on and um, let people know is that it, it's not that hard. You only need to learn enough to complete the project at hand. And over time, you'll learn more and more and what you need. So there's a good starting point for all hobby woodworkers with CNC machines. That's not that difficult. It's not that hard a threshold. And so if anything else, I just want to show people, yeah, you can do this, and you can have a blast doing it too. 
So let me ask you this, mm-hmm. Chris, because this is something I have my my thoughts about, um, or my I guess my ideas behind. Uh, but I want I want to hear what you think too. How do you respond? Not not how do you respond to people that say you know oh CNC is not woodworking, but how does somebody that is a traditional woodworker utilize a CNC in their shop? Like where 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 does it fit in? I mean, if you think of it as a general woodworking tool, like a router table, table mm-hmm. saw, bandsaw, each one of those has a specific task. Where do you see a CNC fitting into a traditional type woodworking shop? Uh, I think a CNC can sort of fill holes left by the other machines. We all like the idea that we're great craftsmen and that we can do everything. And given enough time, we all can. But the reality is that a CNC machine allows you to do so many more things than you could previously do. It expands the horizons. And it does it in a way that's obtainable. Uh, If you want to do some inlay work, it's not that hard. It's easy with the CNC machine. You might still want to do it by hand, but you have an option. If you need to cut some metal, you have an option. If you need some uh, a simple wood carving as an applique, you have this option. So really what it does, it's not about taking away anything. It's about adding. It's about adding choices. Gotcha. Okay. So, and that's, that, I guess that kind of dovetails into with what I have always told people and what my thoughts on it are is if you add a CNC in your shop, it's not, it's not that all of a sudden you are less of a craftsman. No. I mean, it's no, not no. the case. And it's all about how you want to use it. So, if you want to still do inlay and marketry by hand, great, do it. I mean, it's not, it's not saying that because you have a CNC in your shop, that's how you're making everything now. Um, from my standpoint, thinking about how I work in my mm-hmm. shop, to me, it seems like a very good grunt tool. Like, it can do a lot of the stuff that I don't really want to do. Not that I couldn't, mm-hmm. but that I don't want to. Like, think about making templates for something. Like, if I'm making a, you know, I don't know, let's just throw out, like, a Queen Anne highway. Mm-hmm. Right, where we have some big curves on top, we have you know kind of cabriole legs, stuff like that. I could make those templates out of hardboard or masonite mm-hmm. or whatever by hand if I wanted to, or I could just put it on the CC router, let it do that as I'm getting the rest of my stock ready. Well, I think you, I mean, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that's a great example, Logan, because you know, so what's the difference between my laying out that Queen Anne leg? and then struggling to cut it accurately on the bandsaw, and then carefully filing and rasping, and then sanding and sanding to get an imperfect template. Or I can just go to the CNC machine, and it, yes, it takes a little bit of time, and I get that perfect template. I've made, I've created a better piece, and frankly, yeah. I've taken an aggravating portion of making that piece out of the equation. So why yeah. not? Well, why not? Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's funny because it's like there's um, – so I have a, a friend of mine that I have been um, – I'll go out and hang out with him in the shop on weekends occasionally. And one of our things we've wanted to do recently, he has all this stuff to turn mm-hmm. um, tobacco pipes, sure. um, which is kind of a fun little different turning project. There's a really particular way to do it. Mm-hmm. But talk about a thousand different shapes for 
tobacco pipes and smoking Mm -hmm. pipes and stuff like that. Like there's a thousand different styles and you can go online and buy patterns for each of these. Or I'm like, you know what I could do? I could draw those really quick and very quickly CNC out, you know, 30 different templates. So they're there and they're ready to Mm -hmm. go. Like do it all on one sheet. Sure. It's super fast, super easy. And then you have them made. Um, Or another thing I was thinking about um, is how easy it would be for, um, you know, we talk about making a template. You can also make jigs and fixtures that are very accurate with it. Um, one of the things that kind of comes to mind, and actually I was talking to mm-hmm. uh, some of the guys at Next Wave about this, is one of my kind of, I don't want to, I hate the bucket list term, but one of my bucket right. list projects is to do a cedar strip canoe. Sure. A large portion of that is building the strong back mm-hmm. to build the canoe on. It's like, I <laughs> I could just see and see out every one of those strong back ribs Mm -hmm. and then not worry about it. Like then I can actually do what I want to do, which is the woodworking, not necessarily the prep work. Sure. That's, that's Um, how it enables you to do more. That saves you time, time you could spend lovingly shaping your canoe, sanding it. Yeah. Yeah. So like for people that have never had any CNC experience, how, what programs do you really need to learn? Like, obviously you need to be able to design something. Is the design program the same program that you use to run the machine or are they different programs? They are different. Now, we can break this down into three different types of softwares. One is a design software. One is what's called CAM, computer-aided machining, that turns that design into the G-code. And finally, there's the program which actually operates your machine. And there's a lot of different choices, and a lot of those choices are uh, going to be determined by what you've purchased, what machine you have. So you mentioned NextWave. Well, NextWave uses um, Vectric software, which is a combined two-dimensional drawing program and a CAM program. So it, it combines both functions. Uh, you know, there are, there are plenty of different choices out there. Uh, one thing that's, I think, kind of exciting is using three-dimensional design programs. Now, there's been a lot of, uh, lot of talk the last 20 years about using SketchUp in woodworking. There are other types of three-dimensional programs which have the correct output, which you can then uh, use with CAM programs like Vectric. And so you can really you can draw in three dimensions as well as two. So it really depends how, what you want to do, which one is more appropriate. As I said, a lot of the a lot of the programming is sort of predetermined by what you purchase for your machine. Sure. So now you're talking about designing in three dimension. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of us think, oh, a CNC is used to cut out parts. You know, we're, I just I mm-hmm. just gave two examples of cutting out templates, cutting out strong backs, stuff like that. But you're implying that you can do carving. With it. Yeah, you can do carvings, and you can not just. You know, carvings sort of uh, imply an organic shape, but you can also use three-dimensional programming aspects to create very, uh, very accurate and very complicated parts that have all sorts of different levels and shapes to them. The three-dimensional design programs will aid in doing that. So, for instance, and even with two-dimensional parts, so I'm working on some uh, 
small little boxes that will have inlaid tops right now for another episode of Basecamp. I'm designing those in a three-dimensional program. And I'm doing that because I can truly see the proportions. I can see how things fit together and if they fit together. It saves mistakes. It allows me to visualize everything very, very easily. It's not that much more hard than dealing with things in a two-dimensional program. In fact, I think it's easier. So I think it's a, it's a great asset to have, and there are some good choices out there uh, for a three-dimensional design program. But certainly um, having a three-dimensional design program allows you to do 3D parts, and there's also a lot of 3D parts already available for you. Now, you mentioned with the pipes and I think some other things, uh, being able to purchase templates ready to go. Well, there's a world of pre-made, pre-designed carvings and different projects that you can purchase online and bring them in uh, for some programs like Vectric you can work with both two-dimensional designs and three-dimensional and so it, it really allows you a lot of good options so when you look at a CNC machine yeah it's great at 2D it's also great at 3D cool so like what for most home shops mm -hmm. what's i what sizes are available and what size do you think is a good size for a shop um i mean i i know everybody shops obviously different we have a couple different mm -hmm. sizes here um but what size do you think is a good like starter size well the cnc machines typically are available in a desktop which is uh, two by two foot is very common there are smaller machines they're only a foot by foot or foot by 18 inches from there, we go to the two by twos, then say two by four feet, four by four feet, four by eight feet. I think we all dream about having a four by eight foot machine, <laughs> bigger and bigger and badder and louder and meaner. But I think people will really be surprised at what they can accomplish on a two by two foot desktop. One of the features that a that CNCs have, or rather the programming, is the ability to tile. So as you can tile a project, a, a printed project out, you can also tile a CNC project. So you'll, you'll create a few points of reference, typically a few simple drilled holes on a part, and then you can move it through the machine. So with a two by two foot machine, I can create something two feet wide and almost an infinite length. You know, how big's your shop? Gotcha. And that, that makes a huge difference. So let's say I have a two by two foot CNC machine and I have a request for a six foot long carved wooden sign. Well, no problem, tile it. Cool. So what machines are do you have in the, in the base camp studio there? Currently we have a two by four foot Woodsmith machine, which was a shop, a shop project for Woodsmith a number of years ago, still going strong here. We have a two by two foot uh, next wave automation shark machine, which is really a good quality machine, a lot of fun to use. We have a an Inventables four by four foot pro machine, which is awesome. The four by four foot size is a lot of fun. And then we're gonna be adding some smaller next wave machines shortly. Uh, I'd like to add another Woodsmith uh, next-gen home-built machine this year. 
And frankly, I'm into filling this much, uh, this filling is this space up as full as I can with CNC routers and lasers and all sorts of good stuff. All right. That's funny. So you, you talked a little bit about you're working on a, a metal inlay. So can you, more importantly, do the manufacturers say you can cut metal on on a lot of the uh, CNC machines? Like... Probably not ferrous metals, but like no. aluminum, brass. Can you do those? Yes. Non-ferrous only. So we're talking brass, bronze, aluminum, nickel, silver. Uh, absolutely no ferrous metals whatsoever. Yeah, they'll do a pretty good job. The main thing you're fighting with a hobby-grade CNC machine is the rigidity of the frame. Uh, there's a lot, because metal is more dense, there's a lot more lateral forces, but if you approach it correctly, you can do an awful lot. Cool. And it is cool to be able to cut aluminum. It is really cool for <laughs> brass. And it was, well, you know, you can make you can make your own tools. You can make inlays. You can make repair parts. It, it's it's like you have a little manufacturing center on your workbench. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I was thinking. It's like. I, I did a couple of infill planes, mm -hmm. and the reason I have not done any more is it just takes so long to dovetail the bodies together. Okay. I'm like, man, if I could clamp those things mm -hmm. in between two pieces of wood on edge and CNC that out, oh, that'd make it so fast. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, Logan. So a number of years ago, I did a set of, uh, I did a brass, um, small brass block plane for shop notes, I think it was. And I did a prototype and another prototype, and I made a final version, and I made a set of sides for photography. And then our art director came to me, and he said he needed another set of sides. And I was busy, and frankly, I was tired of doing it. We had a, um, a shop-bought desktop at that time, and I didn't know much about cutting metal, and I just said, I don't care. We're doing this. And what do you know if they didn't cut out the sides beautifully? Now, I had to clean up the corners. But it did a wonderful job. I'm going to reach up here just a minute. So here are a set of sides to a um, rabbiting oh, plane. Oh, the shoulder plane. Yes, yeah, yeah. The shoulder plane, excuse me, the shoulder plane. And I cut these out recently with the Next Wave machine or the Woodsmith machine. I can't remember because I thought, you know what? No, I'm not doing all that by hand. <laughs> I will have to cut the steel out. The steel sole I have to do by hand. But that's okay, because this is what a time saver that is. Well, I'll tell you what, though. I mean, you said, will it cut bronze, you think? Yes. So, I mean, that's what I would do. I would do a bronze sole. Screw that Ferris stuff. There you go. Those Ferris <laughs> metals are buttheads. <laughs> do it out of bronze. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, bronze is a fun metal. So that's uh, copper and tin. And it is a little harder, but if you buy it dead soft, it'll machine just fine. Cool. So there you go, That's hand awesome. planes. Yes. So what's the what's the frequency you're looking at for this show? We are going to produce a show every month. So every month, brand new show, brand new project, and brand new plans that you can download. So always something to look forward to. Now you have, um, what do you have in the can already? The three or four that have already aired? <laughs> We have four online right now. So okay. one is about how to cut plywood. Uh, two is one on joinery. Another one is on brass. And you're making me think a little too hard here for the fourth one. 
Well, have you? What kind of feedback have you gotten on it so far? Uh, pretty good. We've gotten some nice, nice emails from folks. Uh, questions. I think there's uh, definitely a community of people who want to talk about CNC machines and are interested. That's exciting, and that's who we're trying to reach. Yeah. I think one of the things, uh, you know, you did a CNC episode for the TV show last year mm -hmm. uh, for season 15. And uh, one of the projects on there is a set of French curves because mm -hmm. you did a couple of tools. I think there was a square and then the, the French curves that you did out of uh, acrylic. Mm -hmm. And the nice part was is other than, you know, like a drafting set of French curves are usually kind of dinky and paper sized mm -hmm. or whatever, but you made a, like a large shop sized set of French curves, which I thought, you know, you know, there's a lot of times when you're woodworking that you, you kind of have a, you know, people develop a specialty or an affinity for a certain type of project, but, but being able to make tools or accessories that help you do the thing you love to do, mm -hmm. you know, and have that, that custom tool option, which I think is kind of fun. Yeah. It, there's something incredibly satisfying about using tools that you've designed and made, you know, it's like the hand planes Logan and I were talking about, they are so much fun to use knowing you've made it. So the curves, the French curves are a good, um, uh, are a good item to mention. So how many times do we end up using paint cans and bit, bending pieces of wood and, you know, putting curves in our steel rulers that never quite come out to, uh, <laughs> to, to you know, to draw and, and lay things out. And so, honestly, a large set of curves and a large set of circles is something I think every shop could use. I've started with the uh, couple French curves. I'd like to do a few more and definitely uh, a whole slew of oversized um, uh, radius templates i think that's oh. something we could all use that'd be cool and maybe a maybe a couple sets because if there's one thing we've used around the sh that are that's always being used in the woodsmith production shop it's the uh, the circle templates and the other item we didn't mention is just oversized compasses and that was a that's a brass project for us to do and something i'd like to just make lots and distribute lots out there <laughs> I, I feel like that was directed at me because I jacked the one from Chris's bench and it's back by the lathe right now. Oh, no, no, no. It, it's, it, it's always getting used, and I love that. It's useful. You yeah. know, it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, I can see, you know, say, like Logan, into turning. So uh, compass or calipers or mm -hmm. profile gauges, like you said. Yeah, well, it's like there's – I have a back by the lathe. Um, there's a big set of my uh, my buddy who I was saying I go over to the shop and stuff, but he uh, he bought us a couple big calipers. We were trying to find some big calipers mm -hmm. to get inside. We've been doing these big, like, 22-inch bowls. Yeah. And trying to get a caliper to get that deep mm -hmm. into a bowl. We found one, but it's not quite big enough. I mean, that's the perfect thing. Like, if you sure. had – I mean, it – I think a lot of people talk about getting into CNC kind of as a side hustle, but I think a lot of people don't realize how legitimate that is. Like, if you whipped out a bunch of big calipers like that, Turner's would eat them up. I mean, you know, it's a it's a great little side business. Okay, well, CNC maybe, maybe we need to talk more about this, Logan. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's right. No, if you're if you're into making a side hustle, um, 
I, I tell you, the CNC machine really is a little manufacturing center. Now, you have to work within the capability of it. So if you buy a $3,000 CNC router, well, you can't expect as much of it as a 100,000 CNC router. But if you work within its capabilities, it will go all day, all night, and not get tired, not make mistakes. You might make the mistakes, but it won't. So there's a yeah. lot of potential there. Interesting. Now, you, you mentioned lasers a little bit. Where does that change? Um, I guess what changes when you start talking about lasers and what different restrictions do lasers have? Because, I mean, the basic function is the same. It's an XY axis machine, but you lose the Z capability of doing, like, 3D stuff, but you gain some capabilities. Um, yeah. So, Can you talk about that a little bit? So with a laser, you're, it's, there's sort of two things you can do. One is you can do etching. So it can be a tool to create some uh, lettering, artwork. You could, there are programs that allow you to take a photograph and it will convert it into a laser pattern and you can burn that image onto wood or other materials. Hmm. So it has an art, an artistic, an expressive side of it. The other side then would be as a simple cutout tool. So lasers are used to cut out, um, you know, depending on the type of laser, of course, metals, plastics, wood, fabric. Uh, if you've ever seen like quilt square kits being sold, lasers do that they're just awesome machines for cutting things out wow now the type of laser that would be available to a woodworker would be a co2 laser and those are capable of cutting out wood fabric some plastics because some plastics create horrible dangerous fumes so we got to put the caveat in there uh most hobby lasers aren't going to cut super deep you have to make repetitive cuts but you can cut uh you know, let's say quarter inch plywood, certainly eighth inch. And the nice thing about the laser is, is that of course a CNC router uses a rotating bit and so you can never get a sharp corner with it. You're always gonna get a radius. Now you can buy tiny little bits. I've got some 132nd bits here to fool around with, and that's pretty small. In fact, you can get bits down to 0 .002, if you can believe that. But with a laser, you know, it just cuts right into corners, and it doesn't waste a lot of material. You might think that's strange, wasting material with a relatively small router bit, but it can add up. If you're using a, some kind of a material that's expensive, a precious material, uh, even an eighth-inch router bit can eat up a lot of that in terms of the efficiency of use. The other issue with a CNC router is because the bit is rotating and it has that physical action against the material, your material has to be anchored. So we talked about inlays earlier. I'm actually taking bronze and nickel silver and um, copper sheets, and I'm having to glue them down to a substrate with hide glue. And then I can cut them, and then I throw it in a bucket of water to let the hide glue release. But holding things down is always a problem or issue with a CNC machine. But with a laser, well, there's no physical force being applied to the material. It's just that, that sure. overhead burning action. And that just really makes it a lot easier. So with a laser, I could take a piece of wood veneer and cut a crazy uh, complex pattern in it with a laser, no problem. Whereas the CNC router might well destroy the wood. Huh. Gotcha. Now I've seen, um, I have seen some 
laser diodes, LED diodes mm-hmm. that go onto like a CNC carriage or gantry. Mm-hmm. Um, those are different though, right? Those are mainly just for etching, yeah. not necessarily for cutting like CO2 laser. Right. When we talk about that that type of laser, you're going to be doing the, the graphics work, the you know, the, the pictures, the designs, which is wonderful. I mean, that's a fantastic option if your manufacturer of CNC has that as a, an accessory. Gotcha. Well, then you don't have to deal with focal lengths of mirrors and getting everything focused and all that well, stuff yeah, that you it, have to do with the CO2 laser. Which takes away a lot of the fun, I think, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. and too, if you don't have to wear those... Uh, you know, those funny glasses and have warning yeah, signs no everywhere. Kidding. It's just not as fun. So that's funny. But we'll certainly get into uh, get into both cutting and the decorative and end of lasers over time. So I think there's a lot of CNC type accessories. Another one that's kind of fun for the CNC router is a fourth axis. Now, of course, Logan, you're the lathe guy. And, yeah. and so the, the fourth axis on a CNC machine will actually rotate a piece of wood very slowly, like a lathe, as the cutter works on it. And it, it, you have to think a little differently than a conventional woodworking lathe because it's computer controlled. It's not so much turning as a lathe as it's giving you that access to the cutter head over the, uh, over the full rotation. So you can you can create some very unique objects which you couldn't do with a conventional CNC setup. I'm thinking like the fluted chisel handles for my blue spruce chisels. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you need to call a manufacturer and you need to get that stuff coming to us. I'm <laughs> typing an email right now. <laughs> oh. No, that would be fun. So, Chris, you've kind of turned into our resident CNC expert here for good reason. But how did you, how did this hook you in a way that that it has? Um, you know, my woodworking career has been pretty varied from, from building houses to cabinets to pergolas and things. And I really have enjoyed all of it very much. Working here at Woodsmith has been, uh, and for shop notes, is certainly allowed me to do a lot of uh, very fascinating things. I think at the heart of it all, I really like, I sort of go two ways. I love, I love wood carving and, 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 and folk art type uh, woodworking, but I also really love precision and I love movement and I love gadgets. And I think there's a, there's a gadget appeal to me with a CNC that I can't quite get over. <laughs> the fact that that it, it sets in motion and moves, but you know, aside from that, it's just it just opens up such a huge world of new work, uh, and just expands what I can do so much. That's that's the fun of it. I'm not I don't feel limited at all with conventional woodworking tools, and you know, when I say conventional, I mean hand tools, gouges, chisels. But then with power tools and then with this amazing computer-controlled machine, you know, I just, I just feel like, hey, I can keep making stuff for as long as I can keep breathing. Okay. And that's fun. That's it. He's never retiring. <laughs> yes, we got him. We got him, Phil. He's a lifer. Operation Lockfitch in yep. is yep. a yep. success. So, Because I was wondering, you know, we were talking about CNC applications before and made me think of mm-hmm. your past lives in woodworking, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, you did a bunch of uh, architectural woodworking and outdoor woodworking. Mm -hmm. uh, even now with some of your folk art carving or kinetic sculptures, you know, could you, would you have appreciated a CNC? Would your past self have appreciated a CNC for some of that stuff? Yeah, actually, yes. When I think of things like, uh, you make the, cutting a decorative end on a, on a joist for a pergola, it's a repetitive process. I know some of the, there have been some manufacturers like ShopBot, which have something called a HandyBot, which is sort of a sight machine, which you can use for that. But we also mentioned, for instance, cutting templates. If I could have cut templates for some of those things and then used the appropriate router bits, it would have made life a lot simpler and easier uh, and certainly produced higher quality work than using you know, conventional saber saws and things like that and having a lot of cleanup to do. Sure. So yeah, uh, we talk about the folk art. I've using, uh, I, like, I like mechanics, so simple shapes like gears could have been easily made, or if mm. I'd had uh, a run of uh, simple flower shapes to do where I had 16 petals per unit. Yeah, I would have liked a CNC to cut <laughs> hundreds of thousands of those where I come in and do the handwork right. that, that counts, that people appreciate, and leave the grunt work to the machine. Sure. That would have been nice. Uh, to have an employee that basically didn't complain, didn't need to be, didn't need pee breaks, you know, just kept going right. and going. Worked that weekends. That would have been nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so how, how I'm going to quote one of my favorite infomercials. How can you, like, can you legitimately set it and forget it? Well, no, not really. Um, but you can go ahead and get a, a series of steps worked out that will lead to fairly carefree work. You know, you do have to create the programming. That takes a little bit of time to do. Sure. And you have to you have to feed the material to the machine, just as you do with the table saw or anything else. So that's gonna mean fixing your work down. There's lots of ways to do that, but you need to register it, fix it. Uh, you may need to change router bits during the process, depending if you need, uh, you know, different sizes. So you may need to have several steps before completion, and then when it's done, you'll need to change out your material. So there is a little tending, and you can't get away with, you know, get away from that. So you kind of get to, you get into a rhythm where you're feeding the machine, you're starting it, you're doing all that, and you learn to appreciate wearing uh, wearing muffs all the time. You know, the pain goes away after a while. You, you talk to yourself a little bit more. <laughs> but it works out. All right. Uh, so you could see having a CNC almost in like a separate room of your shop or. Yeah, definitely. Or make a chamber for it. Yeah. It's just a little more comfortable. One of the things you can do um, is to purchase a or upgrade to a spindle. Now, most hobby grade CNC machines use a conventional handheld router, trim routers or, you know, two or three horsepower. Uh, routers. And as we all know, routers are miserable companions in terms of making lots and lots of noise. Uh, you'll never get away from the sound of the cut, but a CNC spindle will make a big difference. So a spindle is a brushless DCC motor. They are 
made with very heavy bearings and will run for thousands and thousands of hours. They're really a uh, production machine. Sure. And they're very quiet. And they allow great control. So that's really what you want to upgrade to if you got to live with one on a long-term basis. Sure. And spindles, spindles can be either air-cooled or water-cooled, right? Yes. The air-cooled ones will be a little bit noisier just because of the fan, but you don't have to deal with a reservoir and the associated tubing and pump. Sure. Now, how you say you say routers are miserable companions? I'm guessing you're you're talking about from a noise standpoint. Yes, I am. The one thing I have also noticed is there's not a there's very few tools in the shop that make more dust than the router mm -hmm. does. Um, have you found a real good solution for that from a CNC router standpoint? Um, I know the one you put on the seat on the the shop made one works pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, are they all messy? I mean, are you going to expect dust to be coming out of them? Does the dust collection work pretty well? Well, it kind of all depends. Um, some machines don't address dust collection. For instance, the next wave machine really doesn't. And so, if I cut MDF, it's a frightening mess. Uh, if I'm milling aluminum or conventional wood, it's not so bad. I mean, it doesn't really spray that far. Uh, you mentioned the, the Woodsmith machine. It, it does have a fixed skirt around the bit, and it works pretty well. Uh, if I'm surfacing the spoil board, which is MDF, well, you know, some of that escapes. So it really depends on the time and effort you put into creating a good solution for dust more than anything else. Uh, there are some retrofits that different companies offer for their machines, and I think it's a great subject for base camp hmm. making uh, different dust collection solutions. Now, I mentioned the next wave can be a bit of a hassle. I actually 3D printed a little dust collection boot to go over the spindle, and it works fantastic. It has some limitations to it, but sure. it was meant to be a sort of a specialized unit. And it's always been my intent to go back and 3D print about three different boots for it with different, one with a rubber skirting, which is for more granular materials like cutting aluminum hmm. and brass and so forth, and then longer uh, uh, skirtings that are a little more conventional. They're more like a brush. And, I, you know, and between that, it should cover most everything really well. So there's a lot of efficiencies you can design into a dust collection system. Uh, it's just some of these machines, they just frankly don't put a lot of thought into it. I just have to say it. Oh, I'm Chris Fitch. I just, just printed, 3D printed a <laughs> dust boot for my CNC router. God dang it, Chris. Of course you did. Perfect. It's fun. Awesome. So anyway, that we'll add a 3D printer into this room eventually too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, cool. Perfect. All right, so we can find CNC Basecamp on the woodsmith.com site, woodsmith.com slash Basecamp, right? Is that what it is? Yes. Okay. Uh, you can check out all the episodes there and all the free downloadables. Uh, you'll also be able to find it on our YouTube channel. And you can also get in touch with Chris either through the comments there uh, or the feedback form on our website. So we also want to say a special thanks to Inventables for sponsoring this year of Basecamp and for providing their 
their machine. So uh, I think that wraps it up for today's episode. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks that you want to share, you can find us on our YouTube channel for the Woodsmith and also email us, woodsmith at woodsmith.com. Otherwise, we'll see you again next week, everybody, for another episode of the Shop Notes Podcast. Bye. This episode of the Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build from furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects and jigs, and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com.